Support comes from Kenmore Air, offering escapes to the beautiful San Juan Islands this spring. Convenient daily 45-minute flights to San Juan Island, Orcas, and Lopez Islands from only $169 per person one way. Bookings available now at KenmoreAir.com. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Friday. This is Seattle Now. This week, some of you didn't vote. This year's election had the worst turnout in Washington state's history. Woodenville staple Mulbach's Home and Garden had a messy breakup over a 15-year development project. And we discuss whether some of Seattle's tourism staples are over or underrated. Lindy West and Megan Hatcher-Mays, the duo behind KUOW's new podcast, Text Me Back, are here to break down the week. But first, let's get you caught up. The National Weather Service says the Seattle area could see up to an inch of rain by the end of the day. That means lots of snow in the mountains. There's a winter storm warning for the upper slopes of the eastern Washington Cascades crest. If you're planning to travel over the passes this weekend, be prepared with chains, food, and emergency gear. Three feet of snow could fall in some places by Sunday. New buildings in Washington state are now required to be more energy efficient. The Washington State Building Code Council voted this week to require high-efficiency heat pumps in new homes. The council attempted to ban gas appliances, but after a lawsuit in Thurston County, they had to do some wordsmithing. The new rules now require a certain level of energy efficiency, something that old-school gas appliances can't reach. The new code goes into effect in March of next year. And the Pac-12 football championship is tonight. The UW Huskies are kicking off against the Oregon Ducks in Las Vegas at 5. This is the last Pac-12 championship either of these teams will play in as the Huskies and the Ducks prep for their move to the Big Ten. The Huskies last played for the Pac-12 championship in 2018. They won. The winner of tonight's game will get the privilege of playing in the college football playoff for a shot at becoming the national champion. UW hasn't done that since 1991. Hello, Friday. Hope you're staying warm this week. And as we mentioned in the headlines, keep your rain gear handy and be prepared for power outages because the weather is going to get spicy. Lindy West is here. She's a writer, comedian, and activist, and one half of KUOW's Text Me Back podcast. Hey, Lindy. Hello. Really glad you're here. And Megan Hatcher-Mays is here. She's a writer and policy expert and the other half of KUOW's Text Me Back podcast. Megan Hatcher-Mays, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having us. Great podcast. Everybody should listen. Really, really glad you two are here. What a week, though. Washington State certified its election results this week, but they didn't have to do nearly as much counting. Turnout was really low. Less than 37% of registered voters in Washington cast their ballots this year. That means more than 3 million out of 4.8 million people just left those ballots on the kitchen table. Worse in King County, here in King County, actually, where there were seven city council seats up for grabs, numbers dropped 40% 40% compared to Oof. last year. Spicy. That's really bad. <laughs> you know, I want to be like crabby at people for not voting, yeah. but I think this is actually like it goes beyond crabby. We have a serious problem here mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed for the benefit of democracy, 
Yeah, that is I, right. <laughs> that is that's totally right. I think it's right to feel a little bit crabby, but also I think I don't know for sure. I'm not a political scientist, but it just seems like you know, you have to give people something to vote for. You know, mm-hmm. it can't just be, well, I'm not as bad as the other person <laughs> I'm running against. <laughs> like that's actually not that compelling of an argument. You know, like I'm not the worst is a pretty terrible um platform to it's run. It's not on. inspiring. I don't find it particularly inspiring. And I would guess that that's probably true for a lot of people in Washington state. It certainly seems to be true in off year elections federally, you know, that you really have to have a compelling story for why you should vote for somebody. And it can't just be, well, I'm not Donald Trump or I'm not a bad guy. You know, it really has to be something more than that. And I just wonder if voters after a certain period of seeing kind of nothing materially improve are just kind of like nihilistically like why bother like why bother kind of futzing around the margins if like the fundamental structural problem that's causing me dismay is not actually getting addressed i feel like that's a chicken and egg scenario though right yeah because the power of voting and the power of democracy is strong but only Mm -hmm. as strong as the voters and the democracy you know yeah if you're disenfranchised or don't feel like voting not much power there I mean, that's why the real power lies in the Republican psyop that has caused everyone to die inside. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You know, like this illusion that we can't do anything causes people to not do anything. And I have sympathy for that. I did not vote in this election, but (gasps) okay. In my shame on this show. (laughs) We can. I deserve it. However, okay. I, I did move on October Mm. 1st. God knows where my ballot ended up. Mm. And I moved out of King County to Jefferson County. So the city council is not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> not this time. Lindy I'm was not busy. in trouble. You can't be mad at me. She was too busy voting for sea lion commissioner of <laughs> Hood Canal. So yes. this isn't on her. Seattle Times columnist Danny Westneat used his words this week to point out that Kent, a city of almost 140,000 people, had voter turnout of just 24%, which mm. is interestingly, though, in his column, he pointed to the lack of news publications in that area as one of mm. the potentials, which I think is a is an important conversation. I mean, we didn't have fantastic turnout up here in Seattle, but we had a significantly better turnout than a city like Kent. Do we need national issues to bring voters out? Here's here's what I'll say. I think if, you know, figures like Donald Trump kind of taught us anything, it's that you really need to care a lot about what's going on in your state because that will be sort of your last wall of protection against some of the worst impulses of the federal government, right? It's actually kind of like a federalism argument, which actually Republicans and conservatives usually make like, oh, we need to have strong states, like states rights, sorry to use that phrase. But it, that it, it is kind of true for blue states that you need to have those firewalls, you need to have those protections in your local government. And so people should be caring a lot more about school boards and mayors and city councils. But I also think like the flip of figures like Donald Trump is like what Lindy was kind of just joking about, but it's kind of true, is that the problems are so big and interconnected, it, it sometimes feels impossible to think that just like engagement in one election is going to make a difference. And it's because I think people think of every election as like, well, this will be the election that changes it instead of thinking as democracy as something that you do for your whole life. And I know that sounds exhausting. I get it. (laughs) But you can't just vote and then move on. It probably doesn't help that I love 
to make a joke like, LOL, I'm just out here voting for Sea Lion Commissioner. Because Sea Lion Commissioner, <laughs> if it was a real position, would probably be really important. It would. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they I feel <laughs> representation too. <laughs> I feel like we all, like, I don't know, it's sort of what you learn in elementary school. And then we just stick with this paradigm that the only thing that matters is the president. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. just couldn't be further from reality. So true. Right. Right. But I th- I do think it is true that the the way to get people more engaged is to make it as easy as is humanly possible to vote. And I think, first of all, Washington State is pretty, pretty far easy. ahead of the rest. Like, yeah, because it's so easy. You just get your ballot. You take, you know, sip your coffee, have your little muffin and go over your voter guide and then you vote and you send it in. It's like not that difficult. But an e- it would be even easier if we were just combining all the elections at the same time. I do think that that would improve turnout a lot and would make life a lot easier. I think for voters who are like, what are what even are we voting for? Is it Sea Lion Commissioner? There is a movement to make that happen. But Secretary of State Steve Hobbs says that's a terrible idea because those national candidates would overshadow local elections. I may disagree with Mr. Hobbs on this. So. As someone who worked first in the nation primaries in New Hampshire for a few presidential runs. Any engagement is good engagement when it comes to voting and politics. I don't think so, Steve Hobbs. Sorry. Sorry, pal. But I don't think so. I think, you know, people get their ballots, especially if you're voting by mail, that gives you all the time in the world to be like, oh, what are all these down ballot races? I should look these up at the very least. I think on balance, you're going to have a lot more people voting than leaving those blank. We're going to get even some residual wins, even if people are just filling out the bubbles at random. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right, exactly. You, you always want to have a guess answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You always want to have your guess answer for multiple choice tests. So, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the fewer people that vote, we know. The fewer people vote are normally older, whiter people. That is a significant problem when it comes to elections, because you know there is no shortage of people in this town yelling about what they think is wrong, yelling Mm -hmm. about the city council, yelling about crime. Yeah, low turnout, I think, pretty regularly benefits, you know, conservatives or centrist candidates. And I and I think it's unfortunate, you know, when they pull out wins like that with very low turnout numbers, because it allows them to convey this narrative of like, see, centrism rules you know when it when most people actually didn't vote for that you know and by the way seattle has had centrist mayors and they've had conservative city council members and this problem did not, was not better under you know paul shell so oh, paul shell <laughs> my power. gosh now you're really bringing back yeah <laughs> but it's like this is not going to be different just because you're not voting for the dsa candidate what you need is like a vision for what you want Seattle to be that is both compelling to voters and is actually able to do something about the underlying problems instead of just being like, well, I know I said a lot of nice things about clearing out encampments, but really I ended up taking a gazillion billion dollars from Kevin Developer LLC, and I'm not actually going to do any of that. I mean, not to constantly bring it back to Donald Trump, the person I like talking about the least, but (laughs) one thing Donald Trump does is he tells you a story. Yeah. And maybe Seattle needs some compelling stories for people to actually invest in. Tim Iman is a great example, right, of someone Mm -hmm. who can come up with a story, though, 
Yes. <laughs> and really yeah. turn things upside down because yes. remember $40 card tabs? Sometimes another word for storytelling is lying. <laughs> lying. <laughs> I, but I think that well, goes back to what you're saying about like the lack of um, media outlets in like smaller municipalities. I, I just think like the problem is so big, right? And all of it's interconnected. It's like, it's not just voting. You know, there's other ways that you engage with democracy and reporting is one of those ways. Like there's workplace democracy with, that's under attack too, like organizing and unionizing. And like the less people kind of like flex their democracy muscle, the less they're like elsewhere outside of the voting booth, the less likely they're going to flex it inside of the voting booth because they just are the the muscle is underdeveloped. Not to brag, but I feel like <laughs> I was at the stranger in sort of a golden age. And is there anyone in town who is available to just remind everyone every day of the time that Tim Iman stole the office chair yeah. from <laughs> Office Depot? And that's the role that the stranger used to play in yeah. print. We yeah. could just put a picture of Tim Iman stealing the office chair on the cover of the paper. All right, we're moving on to our next topic. You know, Woodenville staple Mulbacks Home and Garden made headlines this week. The store apparently has been removed from a massive redevelopment project that it's been signed onto for 15 years. Talk about a breakup. The development in question was meant to be called the Garden District, described as a city in a garden. It's unclear what's at play here, but it seems like it would be important to include a garden and home store in the city in a garden. Have either of you been to Mulbacks? Apparently it's very magical. I have not been there, but I do love a greenhouse. I have never been. I was like racking my brain. I was like, because the name sounds so familiar and it seems beloved. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever been there. I remember Megan and I were actually texting about this this morning, being like, do we go to Mulbacks? I feel like I remember them them having maybe radio commercials in the <laughs> 90s. But then I was like, you know, the problem is that Megan and I are true Seattle City Limits girlies. Mm-hmm. Never been yeah, out of the snobby. city. Seattle. Snobby. Seattle teens, of the lake. <laughs> Seattle teens from the 90s. We did not acknowledge the East Side and we oh. did, not, did not go there. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's kind of the same point as the hyper local, you know, news organizations. What's really being eroded in the whole region is specificity and mm. character. And so mm-hmm. now, even though I've never been to Mulbacks in my life, I'm outraged <laughs> at the bullying of Mulbacks. <laughs> How dare you? you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's been, uh, I moved from Seattle in 2010. So it's been, you know, 13 years for me, but I grew up there, obviously. And I think, uh, but I, and I live in DC now. And I think it's what's interesting is like the whole point of living in a city, right? And this is maybe not have anything to do with Mulbacks, but the whole point of living in a city is that you're going to see stuff and enjoy things that you wouldn't otherwise see and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And yet this big shift has happened in in the cities where it's like everything is like a little mini mall and it's like a soul cycle, a Bank of America and a, and a salad place, you know, and they're all it's all the same. <laughs> Every single block on DC is a PNC bank, <laughs> you know, a yeah. boutique gym and a cava, which is a salad place, you know, and I think the same is kind of true in Seattle, too. It's just like bank, bank bank empty bartel yeah right. empty bartel orange oh. fitness <laughs> all right but yeah orange theory you know orange it's like theory, all this, yeah. it's all the same stuff and then and so actually what what i have noticed at least in my my various journeys back home to visit is that the suburbs have become like the one place you can actually get like a good hot pot 
or wherever right. it, that's not like a th- five hour Michelin star tasting menu. It's like, no, like somebody's grandma made this just now and it's, you know, $7. And so it's weird. It's like this flip flop where if you want to see something interesting and unique, you kind of do have to go to the suburbs. Cause when I was yeah. a kid, I only ever went to Bellevue to shoplift from the mall but now it's like i would actually kind of go like that's where you go to like get really good food or like you know i think it's like there's been kind of a cultural flip from the city to the suburbs i don't know if that's just anecdotal but it feels really true to me especially here on the east coast and when i go home to visit i I notice it a lot i mean before i moved to jefferson county we had our last move was to white center and i just spent all my time in burien and i was like burien rocks it does white center is great and i was such a snob about it (laughs) it's the best it just seemed so far and now it's true truly everything i like to eat is uh i mean i'm sorry where am i supposed to eat downtown target (laughs) (laughs) i mean It's so depressing. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, the push to the suburbs is real, right? Because the cities are not as desirable anymore. As much of our as our city centers have, you know, tried to evolve, the suburbs are trying to redevelop themselves as major places for people to live, not just the sprawling, easy, quiet spaces. Woodenville Mayor Mike Millman said Tuesday, they have been working hard in his city to create a vibrant, walkable downtown, all while preserving and enhancing businesses like Malbacks. But I think my point here is that when big money and corporations step in, as we have seen with Bartel and Rite Aid, it seems like it gets harder to preserve these institutions mm-hmm. that are only really meaningful to the very hyper-local mm-hmm. environments that they exist in, right? Late news today that Triple X Root Beer drive-in in Issaquah closed last night. No. I see your faces. See? Oops. Example. Right. Example. I, oh, man. I just went there for the first time over the summer, and it did feel maybe dire straits, like a hamburger was $27. No. <laughs> yes. Lord. And I was like, oh, no, what's happening? It was really good. Are Are they going to take the sign down? What a loss. They shut, they closed literally on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. That was was it. It had been for sale. It had been for sale. But, you know, I can tell by your reactions. Again, these are like emotional spaces for people. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like the elephant car wash, right? Like, did I go to the car wash? Um, Not. No, not really. Not that often. But it's like those. But that's what I mean when I say it's like cities have stuff in them that are like sort of campy and interesting that you don't. You know, I know that the triple uh, X was in Issaquah, Issaquah, not not the city center. But like those are the things that like people like. I mean, people do not do tourism to Seattle <laughs> just to like see an orange theory. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like those are sort but of the like the things orange. like. Yeah, like when you go, when you go to, when you go to a different town, like your, your favorite for like, you know, for tourism reasons or just for whatever reason, you sure you want to see like the big monuments, you want to see like the Space Needle and stuff. But the stuff you really remember is like, dude, they had this neon pink gigantic elephant that was just spinning around and it was right across the street from the, <laughs> right across the street from a strip club called Deja Vu. It was amazing. Like those are the things that I, people find like really interesting, you know? So it's like very soulless to get rid of stuff that is like kind of campy like that. Like that's what makes a place fun. You know, I am lying awake at night 
wondering what happened to the Collins Gold Exchange sign. Oh, I know. Is it at, <laughs> is it at Mohai? It Where better is it? be at Mohai. <laughs> I do not know. Who has Listeners. it? Respond. All right. One last thing before we go, you two. Seattle Times ongoing How to Seattle series that pulls its readers on the city took on tourism this week. They asked locals where they take out of town guests and the results are what you might expect. So here's what we're going to do. The most popular tourism stops in Seattle. And we will ask, is this place over or underrated? Ooh, I can't wait. All right. Here we go. We're going to start with the big obvious one. The Space Needle over or underrated. Lindy? It's overrated now that they got rid of the restaurant. Yep. Um, The restaurant was not good, but it was important. It is important (laughs) to have a weird, kitschy restaurant. This is, again, the death of specificity. Yes. Yes. The Space Needle observation deck is so depressing now. It is an empty husk. And I miss the expensive uh, Mediocre food. Yes. Give it back. Yeah, give it back. I don't. I haven't been to the Space Needle since I was like sixteen. But I also, I think it depends if it's the first time a person's ever been to Seattle and they might never be back for whatever reason. Sure, take them there. But mm, yeah, glass over. floor. They have a glass floor now. Oh no! See, I hate that. They have that in at Sears Tower in Chicago or whatever they call it now. You couldn't. No. No, 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 no. You don't want it. It's so, so, so upsetting. My sister and my niece were just in town and they really did. They wanted to go to the Space Needle and I wouldn't go with them, but they did go and they sent me back a very sad photo of my niece nearly vomiting on the... (laughs) Maybe that's Um, the way to do it. Get your guest an Uber to the Space Needle. You don't have to go. They can experience it and you can enjoy your day. You can get the same view from Cary Park Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. free. Uh, another major stop, Pike Place Market, over or underrated? That really feels situation dependent. Mm. Uh, if you're going to go watch the guy throw a fish over, it's not that interesting. If you're going to the Humbau Hut, hutch, <laughs> if you're going to the Humbau people, th- correctly rated. It's great. Go get your Humbau and then get out of there. No, it's run so- by oh, Hammer Dolson guy. He's or been there weird... since the nineties too. Yes. <laughs> or that weird magic shop that's in that's downstairs. Yes. Is that still there? Because that yes, it place is. rules. I would so love to go lost to the magic in those shop. Little catacombs yeah. down there. Get your get your humbow, go to the magic shop, sit on the pig, and get out. Let you me know? add one more thing. Let me add one more thing. Yes, yes, yes. The freaking flower vendors. You can yes. get Gorgeous. the go biggest early. most yep. beautiful bouquet you've ever seen for yep. $15. I mean, Amazing. it's just yeah. shocking. Yeah. And I want to counterpoint that one time I was, you know, I, I grew up here. It's not like I go watch the fish throwing, but I was there with, I think, a tourist friend or something. We were watching the fish throwing and someone asked the fish thrower, do you ever miss mm-hmm. and like hit a tourist? And he said no. And then immediately after that, threw a giant salmon and smacked a tourist right in the face. The guy, oh my the God. guy did not catch it. <gasps> and I saw it with my eyes. I so that was worth it. Eyes. A perfect get that setup. Free fish, Amazing. Man. You get that free fish. <laughs> All right. While you're at Pike Place, you guys stop by the gum wall. Gross or not gross? Super gross. 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 Also, yeah, it's not I, even I, good. It's not even good for Instagram. Like, no, it's whole, disgusting. It's it, an absolutely horrific visual. No. And they come yeah. by and blast it off every once in a while. 
It, could you imagine the spray back from that? Ugh. I am. Oh, oh my God. I recently found Disgusting. out that the gum wall didn't even start until, I don't know, the 90s or something. Like, Megan and I were born in 82, so we lived many years of our life, our lives with no gum wall at all. And I I was at peace then. Yes. And Not then now. <laughs> I know. All right. The Times says going on a water taxi is a must and suggests a Washington State ferry ride. Over or underrated? So that's my go-to thing when I... Same. I tell when, people to do that too. Yeah. yeah except now the ferries are crumbling into the sea. <laughs> and oh. Harder to get on a boat. Takes a little longer. I would but, always tell people that just like, if, do like a day downtown and just walk on, go to Bainbridge and then just turn around and come back. If Like if you don't have a car, it's not like you can really, I don't think really easily walk to stuff in Bainbridge Island. But oh, it's, it's like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a little bit of a yeah, walk. Yeah, it's... But. A, it's a little difficult, but you know, it's it's just as good to just be on the ferry there and back. I always tell people to do that, but I'm very sad to learn that the ferry is doomed. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> we sh- I guess we should have voted. <laughs> Bringing it all back around. All right, one last one. This one I have feelings about. Chihuly Garden and Glass over or underrated? Over. I hate. Oh, never man, been. That stuff sucks. <laughs> I listen, hot take coming through. Dale Chihuly stinks. Not a fan. I don't think it's good. And I think we should all stop giving him money. And Megan has an art history degree. I do. And so I'm qualified to tell you there's there's a brighter world out there. You don't need to be giving Dale Chihuly your time or attention. Once again, bring back the fun forest. Please. Oh my you, gosh, you the wouldn't fun mind. forest. Oh, Lindy. <laughs> wow. Bring back the, the Gravitron. Please. Oh, 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 <laughs> I think that for a city to truly sing, it needs a little bit of crappiness. And that is yes. what is being weeded out of Seattle. And it's so depressing. I know. Something mm. needs to be weird and gross. That's the whole point. <laughs> Otherwise, I would just, you know live on a farm. All right. Well, we are going to leave it there. Lindy West is an author, comedian, and activist. And Megan Hatcher Mays is an author and policy expert. Together, they make KUOW's Text Me Back podcast. Thanks again, you two. Really glad you showed up today. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. We can only make this show because of the support we get from listeners. Thanks to our newest members, Janice, Arushi, Jennifer, Mary, and Brian. You can be as cool as them and help us make more of this kind of work by donating to Seattle Now. We'll drop that link in the show notes. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Our wonderful production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you Monday. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.